Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Father, we thank you, Lord. We honor you. You are such a good God. You are such a good Father. We thank you because we are not alone. Even in this world that is full of trials, temptation, challenges, problems, ups and downs, unrealized uh, needs, cut off expectations, disappointment, left, right, and center. Lord, we are grateful because we have a God in you, and we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. We do not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but he himself was at all points tempted, just as we are yet without sin. So we have a Savior that is capable to solve our problem, but that is understandable enough to feel our problem. And that's what we have in Christ Jesus. What a friend we have in Christ Jesus. All our needs and grief to bear. What a privilege we have to carry everything to you in prayer. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start a conversation today on a message series that I, t- I just feel the Lord want me to deal with this issue of loneliness uh, because it has become a major problem, you know, especially in America and all over the world, the Western world, but it has actually become a worldwide problem. I titled today's message, uh, Paradox of Loneliness. And it's a paradox because even though we are more connected than ever, we are actually lonelier than ever. And that is, uh, if you've been reading the news, if you'd like to really read a little deeper what is going on, uh, you see that one of the major problems being confronted in our society today is a problem of loneliness. Our modern life is making us lonelier and lonelier. We are not as connected as we think. People are lonely. In fact, I'm going to try to give you a few information that I gathered out there uh, over the next last few months. I mean, I've been following this, reading about this for the last few years, actually. But there's an article I read on a, a website called managehealthcareexecutive.com, and uh, the title of the message, uh, can you just follow me? Just, I need this. And yeah. It says, uh, the article is called Loneliness is the New Smoking. Did you see that? How payers and providers should address it. This is a lot of insurance companies. They have stuff on this website. And these are some of the highlights of the article. 
Loneliness is concluded that loneliness has reached epidemic level in America. And nearly half of us are now reporting that we sometimes or always feel lonely, alone, or left out. And those are studies shown there. And this sense of continual rejection has long-term effect. So even insurance company, healthcare companies beginning to focus on this very, very, very seriously. Because loneliness leads to heightened outpouring of stress, all right? And there are things called stress chemicals, such as, I, I can't pronounce some of them, but I have them in here. I think it's uh, epinephrine and cortisol. Cortisol I know very well, leading to systemic low-grade inflammation that can affect our heart, our brain, our joint, and other organs. And it leads to a decrease in our immune function. And this leads to a, a higher infection. Even people's cognitive ability is, 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 is distorted. And it, re, it, re, it increases people's ability of fall and all those things continue. The article also says loneliness damages many aspects of our body functions. It shortens lifespan and predisposes us to development of chronic illness, obesity, diabetes, cardiac diseases, depression, and even decline in cognitive skill. I mean, these are studies out there that you can confirm. There's another article, the next one, that I gleaned some information. It says loneliness is harmful to our nation's health. Loneliness. This is in one of the scientific blog, just called Scientific American. And also he concludes the same thing. Uh, he says 47%, this is a study of 20,000 people. When they do study using 20,000 people, that's quite a bit. Staggering 47% of Americans often feel alone, left out, lacking meaningful connection with others. And this is true of all ages, from teenagers to older adults. Reading about this is even reducing among older people. We used to be loneliness is a problem of senior citizens. But senior citizens are 35% more likely to be lonely, while the rest of the population is 47% more likely to be lonely. And loneliness, in fact, reading this article in the UK, the United Kingdom has 40%, four in 10 people reporting feeling not just ordinary loneliness, chronic, profound loneliness. I think a couple of years ago, it prompted them to create a new cabinet level position called the Minister of Loneliness. <laughs> you think it's a joke, right? Actually, go and read it. They now appointed somebody as the minister to combat loneliness. Loneliness has been estimated to shorten a person's lifespan by 15 years. In fact, loneliness is equivalent. The impact of it is like smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day, the earth impact of loneliness. So it's the new smoking epidemic. Isn't that serious? 
Biologists have shown that feeling of loneliness triggers the release of stress hormones, hormones rather, and in turn is associated with high blood pressure, decreased resistance to infection, increase in cardiovascular disease, and cancer. In short, the chances of dying from drug overdose, which obviously are not symptoms of loneliness, and suicide are now higher than the odds of dying from a motor accident, all right? Someone is more likely to kill themselves now than being killed by somebody else. That is the problem the world faces. So I have no doubt many of us faces because this is a real human problem that is now being dealt with almost every level. At care people are trying to look at this. Uh, government all over the world are trying to see how to, how to, you know, how to combat this because it's a real problem. Our modern life has made us lonelier than ever. The interesting thing about loneliness is you can feel lonely when you're physically alone, but also you can feel lonely in the presence of others. It's not just physical loneliness. Married people are found to be as lonely as single people. So it has nothing to do with I'm single, I'm lonely. No. People can be in the midst of others and still experience this serious problem of loneliness. Because it is a reflection of whether you feel connected to others or not. And these are some of the words people use, you know, that reflect that you're lonely. People say, I feel empty. These are some of the feelings. The feeling of emptiness is a feeling of loneliness. I'm feeling isolated. All right? People can be in the midst of people, and maybe you're here today. That's your feeling. That describes your feeling. You feel isolated. Sometimes people say, I feel excluded. You know, you can feel so excluded from what is going on around. Uh, so you can be in a church and you really feel excluded, isolated, or left out. Uh, these are real problems that people face. I have no doubt some of us face. But I believe that God has an antidote for that. Amen. God has a solution to that. And I even believe strongly that the essence of salvation, the essence of uh, Jesus Christ coming is to combat the problem of loneliness. Because loneliness is not a problem that started now. It's a problem that started with sin. It's a problem that we are separated from God and we are lonely. It's a symptoms that we are disconnected from the most important connection that we have, which is God. And the more the world is trying to run away from God, the more lonelier we become. The more independent we are, you know, which this is an age where we celebrate being by myself, being independent. Kids want to run away from home as fast as they can, right? People want to get an apartment and live by themselves as fast as they can. We don't want to go through the trouble of living with each other, right? And we want to gain the freedom of living by ourselves. And that freedom is more attainable now than ever, right? 50 years ago, that was not that attainable. It's so easy now to snap your finger and just being alone 
being by yourself, we are less vulnerable. We are less submitted to each other. All right? Everybody is trying to live their life, live by themselves, be themselves, unaccountable to anybody. And that has created a major problem of loneliness, isolation. Uh, that is very, very difficult to solve with any drug, any program. Only God can solve it. Praise the name of Jesus. So we're going to address that over the next few weeks. And I hope that uh, using the word of God, we gain some wisdom. And the Holy Spirit will help us. Uh, to be able to apply these truths to our lives in Jesus' name. So today will be an introduction. I actually don't really have a lot of time, so I'm going to try to end as quickly as we can. Uh, but we're going to continue over the next three weeks. It's going to be a four-week message series. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to address some of the things that really make us feel lonely. Today, I'm going to address some of the things that really make us feel lonely. That even though you can be in the midst of people, you can have lots of friends. I mean, we now have more contact than we need, right? Have you, ever, have you opened your contact on your phone? And you keep scrolling, scrolling. You can't even remember some of them, right? I mean, you can't judge someone's friends or connectedness by the number of contact in their phone. You can't really judge by the number of Facebook friends that they have. There are people with thousands of Facebook friends. Yes, they really have no friend. All right? You might be getting a lot of likes, but you don't really have a lot of people that like you. Sometimes I often wonder, does that like really mean like? I don't even know what like means, really. What does it really mean? Somebody posts a you know, picture dressing in such a very nasty way. Nobody likes it, but they are liking it. <laughs> in real life, they would never like it. In fact, they are liking it and they are criticizing it. They are like, how can she dress like that? Like. <laughs> we are so confused, right? So confused. Very, very confused. But what makes us feel alone, feel lonely, even in the midst of people, number one is problem. When we have a problem, problems tend to isolate us. You know, challenges of life tend to make us feel, and I, I'm sure there are people here that that's your feeling. You have a challenge, you have a problem. And the problem makes you feel so alone, so isolated, simply because it is just so hard for people to understand your problem. You're walking in here, you just see yourself so different, so isolated. Maybe you're sick, maybe you have challenges going through in your life. Some of you might be immigration challenges, you know, marriage problems, financial problems you know, relationship problem, one problem or the other that just all of a sudden removes you from the population in your mind, right? Isolates you and makes you feel you're just different. You're just alone in this problem. There's, you know, you're just separate. You're not like any other person. 
And when you have such problem, you look at every other person, it just looks like they have no problem. It looks like they have no problem. It looks like they are married, they have kids, they have a husband, they're just so happy, and I'm not because I have a problem. It looks like they have, you know, they have nicer cars, you know, they I don't have, they have money in their bank account, at least they look like that, they might not. But I don't. It looks like they have their dream job. I mean, they're just happy about their job. Things are just working with them. But I don't. Problems in life, you know, want to isolate us. Want to make us feel lonely. So that you can be in the middle of thousands of people. You can have a huge family. Seven siblings. You know, 14 cousins. You know, and you have nieces and nephews. Yet you feel so lonely. Because loneliness itself is a feeling of unfulfillment, is a feeling of isolation. It's a feeling that I've been excluded and I've been left out. I don't know if that's your feeling today. That is a, that's something that, that shows me you have loneliness problem. But the scripture has an answer for that. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation. Temptation can mean problem. As overtaking you, except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The enemy's lie is to tell you you are alone in your problem. That's the enemy's lie. That you are the only one that has this problem. You are the only one going through this issue. You are, in fact, your problem is rare. You know, your problem is unique. There's nobody like you, so you are alone. He tells you, you are the only one with, you know, children that have this problem. And, you know, how come you are the only one with this kind of challenge, with this kind of problem? How come you are the only one with financial struggle? Therefore, you are alone. You are lonely. That's what the enemy does. So you walk into the midst of people, you feel so alone in your problem. You feel like nobody gets you, nobody understands you, nobody is going through what you are going through. You're like, they don't know. You don't know my problem. That's why you're saying that. But I want to let you know that that's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie that you have believed. There is no problem you have that is not common. If you tell me your problem, it is very common to man. And that's one thing you have to get in your hand, all right? That's one thing you have to understand. It. And sometimes if you don't say it, sometimes if you don't let people know, you die in your problem. You know, you die in isolation. You just, or you suffer in silence. You suffer in your problem because you think, even if I say it, nobody will know. It's very important for you to know. How many times have I counseled a couple, talked to a couple, and by the time they explain the whole problem, and I tell them, your problem is so common, you don't even know it. Because they think it's just between them. They think, we are the one that have this problem. Every other couple is fine. I mean, they are happy, they are, you know, they, are, they seem, you know, we just, we just see the chemistry. You know, we just see that they, they seem to be going well. Things are well for them. And I have to tell them, your problem is not unique. Your problem is so common. 
Most marriages go through those problems, and sometimes they are shocked. Sometimes if people come, they say, I say, you don't really have a problem. You've just told yourself you have a problem. Sometimes I tell them, what you just described happens between me and my wife all the time. We just have decided that that is not a big problem. All right? Sometimes we create this problem in our mind, and the enemy's goal is to isolate you. And the Bible says there is no temptation, and I want to let you know that is overtaking you. There is no problem. There is no sin you have even committed. Sometimes sin in our life, we've done something, makes us feel like, you know what? God might love everybody here, but I think I'm different. Because I think my sin is different. I think my sin, oh, is so different. We went for evangelism last Saturday. You know, one of our sisters was talking to somebody, and he said, you, you know, if you die today, will you go to heaven? He said, no, I won't. And he said, what do you say? He said, I'm a very bad person. And I don't think God can. And they said, what do you mean you are bad? You can't be too bad for God. Did you commit, did you commit murder? He said, no, 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 no murder. So what did you do? What can be bad? I'm not going to tell you, but I let you, but I tell you, I am so bad. God can stand me. So that person has defined their sin, right? That I'm alone. I can be saved. I can be in church. I can be among the people that God will accept because I'm alone. I'm different. The Bible says, but with, when you are tempted, it will also provide a way out so that you can escape it. Amen. So don't let your problem, whatever that may be, isolate you. Don't let your challenge, whatever that may be, cause you to feel so different, so alone, so completely just different from every other person. You are really walking into the temptation to be isolated and to be lonely. And loneliness has nothing good to offer you. Praise the name of Jesus. Another thing that makes us feel lonely is weaknesses in our life. You know, or oddness in our life. You know, sometimes we have, many of us have some weirdness in our life, right? Sometimes there might be physical weakness. You know, some people feel they are not good enough, they are not tall enough, they are not you know, light-skinned enough, they are not whatever. I don't walk right. I wish I can walk in a more straighter way or I, I can't just, my shoulder is not just where position. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I don't look the way I want to look. I mean, I just have some way, you know, quirky way of smiling, laughing, and all those things that we've concocted in our mind that I'm weird. And, you know, that level of weirdness Isolate us. That's, I mean, it's amazing how much people make this thing such a big deal in their mind. And they don't know. The enemy is actually trying to fill them with that, feed them with that. So everything about their life is interpreted in the midst of that. Some people interpret everything about their life because of their own weakness. Their life revolves around, I'm too short. I'm too this. I am too that. I don't have this. If I can speak right, if I can learn how to do this, if I can, you know, if I don't have this, 
I think I will be a better person. If I can be more beautiful, if I can be more this, you know, I will be better. You know, weirdness, however that is defined, because we've defined that ourselves, seeks to isolate us. Seeks to convince us that we are just different, not in a, in a, not in a good way, of course. Seeks to I make us to feel like you are just alone. You are lonely. And our weirdness makes us to convince us that nobody understands me. There's nothing as worse as someone feeling no one understands me. I'm sure you've been in that, uh, in that situation, maybe even temporarily, where nobody gets you. Nobody sees your perspective. I mean, you just, everybody just sees things differently. Nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. Nobody sees the way I see things. Nobody understands the way I understand things. That can create such a feeling that even though you have friends, you have a lot of acquaintances, but you are really alone when it comes to it. You're so alone. You're so isolated. But the Bible has an answer for that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We don't have a, you know, that's one thing about having Jesus, that he can empathize. You know, nobody might get you, but he gets you. And that's, you know, that's, that's, there's nothing more comforting than the fact that, that, than that, the understanding that, and not, not just understanding that in your head, but understanding that in your heart. Many of us, we are believers, but we, you know, we are, we are just believers in our head. You know, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. All those things, they are in our head. It doesn't impact how we live our life on a daily basis. It doesn't impact our thought life, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm getting to believe that the biggest part of our life is our thought life. Most things, are, most things occur in the realm of our thought, right? How we feel about ourselves, how we think about ourselves, how we process information as you walk around your day, you're processing information that is coming, you're pro processing everything, everything people said to you, everything you see, every actions around you is being processed. How you process that is so critical to how you live. Very, very important. And your faith must enter that realm. And that's why the Bible talks about renewing our mind, right? Changing the way we think. Renewing our mind is very important. Our Christian experience must get to that place. Must leave just, you know, some vague belief to really the core of our heart. Praise the name of Jesus. So the Bible says we have... One, one thing about having Jesus is that you have someone that understands you. Everybody might not be able to get you, but he gets you. Because, trust me, he had his own weirdness too. He had his weirdness. I mean, he was born out of wedlock. He had this kind of weird kind of growing up. Your father is not really your father, but you don't know who the father is really, Right? And, you know, you grow up having some 
weird abilities that just makes you so lonely. Right? So lonely. Even if you look at the description of Jesus Christ, he was such a lonely person. Such a lonely, even as a child, very lonely. You know, as an adult, very lonely, isolated. Even some of the disciples, I'm sure they couldn't get him sometimes. They couldn't get his prayer line. He goes and prays. He wants us to pray. They are sleeping. They can't get it. You know? So he gets it. He gets you. If you can get that in your mind, that Jesus gets me. I want you to repeat that Jesus gets me. He gets you. He knows you're weird. He knows you talk weird. You talk weird. You whatever. You sleep weird. Whatever you do, weird. You sing weird, right? You talk weird. You laugh weird. You cry weird. Jesus gets you. And I want you to know that. If no one gets you, say, he gets me. He understands. He hears me the way I pray. I might not be able to pray like this person, but he gets the way I pray. He gets the way I worship. You know, he gets me at the core of it. Praise the name of Jesus. So we have certain weakness in our life. Also, some of us or many of us have gone through hurts in life. One thing about being hurt is it isolates us. Being hurt is really very isolating. Because the one thing about being hurt, either through challenges of life, disappointment, and many of us have gone through those. Disappointment, divorce, you know, you, you know your loss in the family, you know, whatever has happened to you that you are so hurt, it makes us feel not being understood. Makes us feel so different. You know, just just ask somebody that has lost their father, for example, on Father's Day. They feel so lonely, feel so isolated. Or you've lost your mom and it's Mother's Day. On those days, you just feel so alone, so isolated, because so different from whatever other person is doing. And sometimes even the joy of others hurts you, right? Because it reminds you of your hurts. So sometimes being hurt can really isolate us, can really make us feel like we are alone, you know, we are different, we are just, you know, we are empty, we are isolated, we are excluded, from whatever is going on, or we are left out. So being hurt is also one of those things. But the problem is the feeling of being alone, and that's why I started by that, is a very dangerous place to be. It hurts you almost any way you look about it. It cuts, first of all, it cuts 15 years out of your life. I mean, I don't want to donate 15 years. I need, I need all my life. I need all the time. I need that extra 15 years to accomplish everything that God has called me to accomplish. But also, it makes your life miserable. Even the one you have, you don't get to enjoy it. And that's why we're going to be dealing with this issue over the next three weeks, you know, of 
loneliness. What is God's solution to it? The good thing about life is God, about God is he knew this problem before they came. And he already solved this problem. In fact, the root cause of most of this problem is abandonment of God's way of life. God's prescription for living. If it is followed, wow, he will save us from a lot of problems in life. He will save us. You know, God didn't make all those, you know, prescriptions, things for himself. He doesn't need to improve. He is not lonely. We are. He's not sick. We are. He's not going through any problem. We are. So next time you read the Bible, you think, oh, God is giving me all this thing. No, no, no. You need it. God doesn't. Praise the name of Jesus. And I can say for sure that we are collectively, as a society, paying a huge price for abandoning God's way for living. Our continuous rejection of him, rejection of his principles, rejection of his way of life, rejection of what he has given to us is taking a major toll. That's why we need a minister of loneliness. <laughs> a old minister cabinet. That's why we need that. Praise the name of Jesus. But the root, the main problem, reason why we are lonely, however, is our lack of connection to God. It's our lack of connection to God. It's our lack of connection to God. That's the overarching thing. And it's applicable to both Christians and non-Christians. Of course, for non-believers, it's chronic. It's chronic. Continuous lack of connection to God is why we have problems that we have in this society. Continuous. People are drugging themselves up just to feel that emptiness. That feeling of emptiness is just so serious. Use of drug as reason is at, at an epidemic level now. You know, all kinds of drugs. You know, all kinds of drugs. You know, hard drug, prescription drug, all kinds of drug. People use whatever you, people are, people are stealing the gas, the whatever from HVAC and consuming them. That's a serious problem. You know, is he hard 22 or whatever it is? Now it's, it's a drug. So if, you don't, if you're not careful, if your heating unit or vent is outside, some people are going to break into it and take the whatever it is to go and smoke it. Because it's a drug. It's something that it fills the void. The feeling of, the feeling of emptiness. The feeling of loneliness. The feeling of isolation is so strong, the world is looking for solution everywhere. Solution in sex, wild partying, drugs, and, but those solutions are compounding the problem. They are not solving the problem, compounding the problem. Look at what is going on now with uh, vaping. To, sm to stop smoking, smoking then we, we invent vaping to help people. Then vaping now is killing people. And they said they, are now, they have their fourth or whatever death from vaping. Lung problem now. Lungs of young people are collapsing. What never happened before. Vaping. There is now more nicotine poisoning 
now going on now like never before because you can vape in an hour the amount of nicotine you do in a whole month is concentrated. And there's now long disease among young people. Now, isn't vaping supposed to help with cigarette? Isn't there supposed to be clean cigarette, e-cigarette, something that just, you know, maybe over time, you know, it's going to be, but it's, it is going to be huge in terms of the problem it's going to cause. You know, by the time it's all over, by the time, my son told me this month, maybe a year ago. They were talking, they said, we are going to have a big problem when we grow up. I said, why? He said, all these kids vaping, guess who is going to be ministering to them? <laughs> In his high school, he said, I mean, you go to the bathroom, kids vaped out, looking like this. And this is not a problem of inner city. This is a problem of every city. Every single city, rich neighborhood, everywhere. In fact, richer neighborhood have more drug problem now. So there's no way to hide. Moving doesn't help. <laughs> if you're saying, I'm just going to move, oh, you might be moving to where it's worse. <laughs> so I'm talking about the world problem. The world you know what? There is a hole in every human being. The only thing that can fill that void is God. Jesus is the only person that can give the true fulfillment that nothing else can fill. No material thing can fill it. No amount of sex can fill it. No amount of drug can fill it. No amount of suit can fill it. No amount of shoe and bag can fill it. No amount of money in your account. You're going to do all those things. You're still going to feel empty. You're still going to feel unfulfilled. Only Jesus can fill that void. Hallelujah. And the world must know. And we as believers, we must proclaim that. And that's why we must. I mean, you will be shocked. Many of you, you're still struggling with evangelism. I want to encourage you to come out for evangelism. We're going to train you, show you how to do it. It's actually a lot simpler than you think. Next time we announce it, we want to see more people. It's going to expose you to, you're going to see people dressed nicely, looking confident, looking so great. You ask them a simple question. If you were to die today, do you know without a doubt, without a shadow of doubt, that you'll go to heaven? You'll be shocked. They said, I don't know. You'll be shocked some of the reactions you're going to get from people that seem like they get it together. They open their mouth, you see that there is such an emptiness. There is such a major problem in the world today that people are covering up. And we as believers, we have the solution and we hide it. It's like having a solution to cancer and you say, you know what, I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, and that's what we do when we don't evangelize. So I want to encourage you, just a plug for that. Let's come out and evangelize every opportunity you have. It's safer also to do it in a group. You know, some of you might say, you know, I don't want to do it by myself. I'm just by myself doing it. I look crazy. Now, we should all get to the place where we can do it by ourselves. I mean, naturally. Your friends, your thirst. And there are very simple tips to do it. Just questions to ask things to do in a very, very naturally supernatural way. Evangelism doesn't have to be weird. 
but, and we don't do it in a weird way. We don't go and ring a bell and say, Jesus died for you. Come and say, today. No, no, that's not what we do. We engage people. Because many of us have this feeling about evangelism. Oh, no, I don't want to be like uh, that Salvation Army guy that is, big, that is dressing weird and just say, Jesus saves. No, 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 no. It's engaging people and giving them the most powerful, powerful solution to life's problem. Life's emptiness is Jesus. Hallelujah. But sadly, even those of us, I talk about problem in the world now, but I want to zero in it. But even many of us who have accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we haven't really accepted him well. We've compartmentalized him. We haven't really given him the room to invade our life, invade our heart. Because I tell you, if Jesus truly invade your life, you will never have to deal with loneliness. You will never have to feel alone. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said. And that promise is real today, is real tomorrow. You can take it to the bank. I will never leave you nor forsake you so that you can boldly say, the Lord is with me. What shall any man do for me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Hallelujah. He's with you. Believers who truly have given the shepherd the control. The problem is shepherds are gentle. Shepherds need cooperation of the sheep. If you can give him full access to your life, you will never have to live in isolation. You might once in a while find yourself in a place when you are not understood, when nobody gets you, when you are, have a challenges that, is, that are unique or have those things, the bottom line is you are going to have a person in Jesus, a friend in Jesus, a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And one thing about him, when you are loneliest, that's when he's more present. Because he says, I am the very present help in your time of need. I want you to, I mean, I was meditating on that verse one day. How can you say very present? That looks odd. Present is present. Very present. And he says, I make my presence known when you are the most needy. When you are most isolated. I have personally experienced that when you are most isolated, that's when his presence is real. All we have to do is to be, let's be sincere in our acceptance. Let's be open. We don't need to say, you know what, I'm still going to live like the people of the world. Look, the world is already paying a heavy price for rejection of God. We should not be paying the same price for compartmentalization of him. That's what we do. We compartmentalize him. We just put him in one say We don't give him a full room. And that's my challenge for you as I end today's message. Give him a full room. Let him take charge. On Friday, I was saying one of the most powerful prayers you can pray as a believer is to say, Lord, have your way. And if you can pray it sincerely and you mean it, you're going to experience God more than ever before. I'd like us to bow down our heads.
and pray as I close. I don't know if you're here. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't really know him. Maybe it's your first time. Or maybe you've come a few times. Maybe you even grew up in church. But you can't really say, I know him. It's in your head, but it's not in your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to really let, make it right. If you can, please lift up your right hand. I'd like to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you for that quickness. Thank you. Thank you for that quickness. May God bless you. Where you are, I want you to stand up. I just want to pray for you. So I know the people I'm praying for. Just stand up where you are if you, if you want to be prayed for. God bless you. Any other person in the house? You want to just say, you know what? It's in my head. It's not in my heart. I want Jesus to have a place in my heart. God bless you, my sister. I'm going to give 10 more seconds. If there's one more person, because I don't want one person to leave this place without a powerful, genuine assurance that Jesus has a place in me. And one of the promises he made is, I will come into you and I will abide with you and I will never leave you forever. My sister, that will be your experience in Jesus' name. I want you to place your hands on your chest and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to say, Jesus, I thank you because you love me. I thank you because you died for me. You were buried, but you rose again and conquered death and conquered sin because of me. Today, I give you full control of my life. I accept your offering. I accept your sacrifice. But I also accept your lordship. I say, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me totally. Let me know you're near. Let me know you're with me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to pray, every one of us. I want us to just pray that simple prayer. Lord, have your way in me. That's a powerful prayer. It's simple, but it's powerful. Say, Lord, have your way. I give you full control. Every department, every part of my life, I want you to just have, take charge. Have your way. Have your way. I no longer want to isolate you to one part of my life, but shut you out from another part of my life. I just want you to have your way. I want you to fill that void completely. If there's any void that is still in my life that is being filled by something else, materialism, you know, whatever is filling it, you know, pride is filling it. I want you, Jesus, to fill it completely. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. God bless you.